You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Hello, hello. This is producer Dave. I'm sitting in for Angie Austin once again. It's one of the best parts about my job. I get to do this every week. And um, I'm here with my very good friends, the Good News Gals. I got Michelle Ron here with me. She's always helping us to make better choices every single day. Uh, I have the Drill Sergeant of Life, Beatrice Bruno. She's the one always keeping us on track. Woohoo! And then we're here with our very good friend, Michelle Betts, also. <laughs> so I have the two Michelles and Beatrice. That's easy. <laughs> so thank you all for being here for another installment of the good news. Um, Angie Austin is still on her Merca trip. Merca. She, she sent lots of really good pictures. I guess the kids got to try Where are water they? skiing. They're in Kentucky. Okay, that's what I thought. They're yeah. on some houseboat. The houseboat's yeah. cool. It looks like it looks huge. It looks like a whole house. Yeah, like it a two story house that's floating around and yeah. they have all the stuff and yeah. Pretty that's cool. That's why it's called a houseboat. Right. I mean it's not but this, I've seen houseboats that are like just to have a room, you know, okay. it looks like an R V on the boat, but this one ah. looks like a full on like house from the from Charlottesville. I yeah. Love to do that. It doesn't look like a studio. It looks more like, <laughs> like, like, like a yeah, three bedroom yeah. two bath. Yeah. Yeah. Like a colonial a style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looked pretty cool. So yeah, no, that I think they're having a really good time and I know that she'll be back next week though and uh we'll good, have Angie school back. Starts. School starts. That's yes. why she's been it's been summertime and so she's got all that stuff. Wait going a minute, on. I have to ask a question. I, maybe it's just me, but did it seem like we really went past summer this year? Blink. Yes, just blink. Okay. I'm really sad about yeah. it. Yeah, because well, you've got yet. three kids, Michelle, yeah. and, and it's like, did, did you really have a summer with them? Not really, because so. uh, June was. I mean, we had a whole lot of sports this summer. Yeah. So mm-hmm. June yeah. was all high school sports. July was all uh, club sports, and then now we're here in August. Yeah, and now back to school sports. Back yes. to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a little sad about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been joking with people. If I'm out at a restaurant or something, and I see a, a family with kids, and I say, excuse me, can I talk to your kids a minute? <laughs> and they say, sure. You got to go back to school. You got to go back to school. <laughs> you ain't right kids, for that. <laughs> <laughs> the kids look at me like, you really did. Actually, actually right. <laughs> I have to say as a teacher, a lot of kids are really ready to go back after two months. They are. Okay. Three, that three months is kind of a long time. Yeah. But uh, we found, and retention, yeah. we don't, as a teacher, truly to try to... Um, recoup and everything you had to spend so much time when you had a lot of time off in the summer it's so much better when they so i'm sorry but it's just <laughs> no my was, yeah. my 11 year old is like real excited about it yeah okay. the 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 14 year old she's starting high school so she's just terrified yeah, you know, yeah. she yeah. could wait forever on that and the third grader you I mean he's a boy so mm-hmm. yeah he's like eh. i don't want to go back <laughs> yeah. to school mm-hmm. ever yeah. yeah but i'll do recess i'll do lunch yeah. <laughs> that's not your job your well, job Dave, is your, your babies not yet i got yet. one more year okay. before my older one goes to school um He's still in pre-K. They're, pre-K. But they've been going to school since they were, both of my kids were six weeks old when they started going to their daycare, daycare which is yeah. like pre-K yeah. since, you know, sure. since then. So sure. they're going to be okay at it. As my, my niece, actually, she's going to be six. She starts first grade next week, mm-hmm. and she is psyched. I thought she's going to, her head's going to explode. She's so excited. Oh, bless she's, her heart. Yeah, so she's practicing reading and all doing right. all the stuff and all you know right. uh, she's doing all the she's so excited that it's not going to be a letter anymore it's going to be actual number grade all right now so i don't know maybe that'll fade it will i liked going to school <laughs> i liked going to school until i was probably a junior in high school and then um 
I mean, I loved school until the end there of high school. But then when I went back to college, I mm-hmm. loved it. I mm-hmm. wish I could go back forever. But uh, And hmm. seniors seniors are going back to school in droves of numbers. No, seriously, because now we really care. I mean, yeah. and, and kids are gone from the house. And I'm trying to think of the program that's here in Denver. It's a fabulous program of a gazillion million classes for seniors to go to, and they're free. I well, mean, when it's... I went to Metro State, I a lot of older people, mm-hmm. seniors. I had a, it, that one thing I really liked about because I actually waited ten years to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was twenty eight when I started college. Uh-huh. Uh So I was Which way older good. than most of the other people. Right. right. Um, and then I thought I was going to be the old guy, but then because it was Metro State, I think maybe a different school would have been different. But at Metro State, there's a lot of diversity as far as age and right. as far as where people come from because they there's so many different kinds of people that. That are trying to go mm-hmm. and it's one of the best schools around and it's affordable or it was affordable when i started anyway that's well, cool. it's still pretty good mm. yeah and right. i have a confession to make i did just look into going oh, back good. to college good good I, good because I, really I i i have a dream yeah and i have a dream and there's so much to learn there's yes. just so much to yes, learn yeah right there is so cool, yeah. Actually, uh, learning is uh, is our theme for today's show. Oh, <laughs> learning, good. which All I right. think is cool. We went this direction. Um, uh, my clip that I prepared for everybody today is called "The World Is Awake." It's about this children's book that teaches real valuable lessons. And so is this is this mom, and she's also a famous reporter. And I'm blanking her name. We'll hear it in the clip in here in just a second. Um, but her son asked if the flowers came from God. Mm. And she's like, I want to be able to answer this the right way. And I want him to be able to understand what we're, what I'm talking about. And he's like, I want him to feel the love of Jesus and all this. So she's like, I think the best way to do this would be to write this book. And so uh, here, listen to the clip and we'll talk about it. We have a very special guest with us today. You've seen her on Good Morning America, World News Tonight. It's ABC News correspondent Lindsay Davis. Lindsay, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Kristen. So great to have you in town. Uh, you are an Emmy Award winner. Folks know that from your work. But now you're also a best-selling children's author with this book, The World is Awake, which you can find on Amazon. I flipped through it. Amazing. But why don't you tell us about the story? Who are the main characters? Sure. Well, the little boy was basically inspired by my son, Aiden, who's now four. But when he was two, we were in the car and really out of nowhere, he said, Mommy, does God open up the flowers? And so I had already been thinking about writing a children's book. But at that point, he really planted the seed as far as what the topic would be. Mm -hmm. And so I figured I'm going to try and answer that question for him and other young people. Basically, a gentle introduction to who God is through nature really kind of meeting them where they are and you know the excitement of bunny rabbits and rainbows things that often as adults we kind of forget about and put the blinders on yes so I flipped through it just really whimsical illustrations and also very lyrical words we know you're a writer Um, can you read from your favorite passage sure you know I would say that it's this one I opened it up to just look at the sunrise it's painted the sky and look at the songbirds all starting to fly the world is awake it's a wonderful place alive with God's power and glad with his grace Now, this is seen through the lens of two African-American children. Why is that important for you to tell the story from that perspective? Well, really, you know, I I guess I put my reporter hat back on when I was uh, becoming an author and really did a little bit of of research as far as the number of books out there where there are black protagonists for for children. And when I did
did find a few of the numbers, it was about more than 90% of the protagonists in children's books are white. And meanwhile, when you look at US Census Bureau statistics, that's not reflective of uh, children in our country, where it's yeah. more than half of the kids in this country are not white. And so it's really important that children see not only themselves, so you need to have mirrors so that they're able to see that reflection of themselves, but windows as well, so that they can see diversity, that they can see and peer into a world where the children don't necessarily look like them. Right, I have to say, as an Asian American, I had that issue as well, both in books and also finding people who look like you in the movies or right. TV, right? Um, and that's why it's so important also, like as you, and I'm sorry to cut you off, no, but okay. as you look at like the market and the zoo, there are children of, e everyone is going to be able to point to a page and point to a character and say, that looks like me. That looks like my mom. That looks like my grandfather, mother or grandfather. Shirley, you had great role models growing up. Um, tell us how you've decided to become a broadcast journalist. Well, I've always loved writing. My mom was an English teacher and really inspired early on a love for words and writing and I consider myself a storyteller in general as so I would say that that applies to hard news kind of in our day jobs and then also you know with writing a, a children's book but I, I guess it was basically uh, my mom and just inspiring that love for writing. All right we have uh, 10 seconds for a little inspiration from you. Uh, how do you balance being a mom to a four-year-old globetrotting <laughs> reporter and also now author? I don't know that I'm able to do such a great <laughs> job but I think that I have a helpful husband. I have people who are pretty patient and I do my the best that I can so hopefully that's good enough in every arena. Yeah, I say I forgive myself. Yeah, you know? and that's important. That's key. Yeah. All right, Lindsay Davis, so great to see you. Mm. I like her perspective. Right, mm -hmm. it's cool. She's so uh, cheery, but yet... I like that she focused her energy into finding a way, like she said, finding kids mm -hmm. where they are mm -hmm. so that we can sh share this message with them, I, which a lot of times we're just like, no, you need to catch up to this message here that yeah. I'm trying to give you. So. Yeah. What a That's concept. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really, it, it, what is her, is she Caucasian or is mm -hmm. she black? I think she's uh, some sort of mixed race. She okay. looks, she's um, maybe Hispanic of some kind. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure her husband is black. Wow, I'm pretty impressed that she acknowledged the fact that um, we're not, that minor minorities are not being represented <laughs> anywhere because that's important. Um, it really matters to see yourself in magazines and in books, um, and it speaks to you a little bit differently when it's always somebody who doesn't look like you. So that's very cool. It really is. And, and while she was talking, I was thinking back to when I was a kid, um, growing up in South Carolina, and when you go to the stores to buy dolls, mm -hmm. they were all white. Mm -hmm. And so we had no choice but to buy white dolls. Mm -hmm. I didn't see a black doll until I had to be early teens, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it was just, and now though, you, you see all mixtures. You, right. you see the Mexicans or Hispanic, you mm -hmm. see the white, you see the black, you see the Asian, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Or you'd see a black doll, but it'd be there's one kind of black doll. Like you know what I mean? There's yes. like one. Yes, that's right. I had, that's of course, right. you're talking to somebody who's a hundred. But I had growing up one of my favoriteest dolls in the world was a Terry Lee doll. It's Terry, uh, and the last name last is L E E, and it she um, the doll was truly fabulous, and she is. Um, an African-American, if I remember right, mm -hmm. or else she was Korean. And I say that because the, because of the face, but it was absolutely wonderful. In fact, she's in the top of my house now on one of my shelves <laughs> where you can see her as you come in. But, yeah, you're right. I never thought about that. You know, we're in 2018. 
you know, halfway, over halfway through 2018. Mm-hmm. And we're still having this discussion. And I, I to me, it's, it's mind boggling because although we've come such a long ways in the United States, boy, we got a long ways to go. Yes. yes we really we do. do. And it's, it's sad, you know, it's encouraging on one hand because we are making strides. Mm-hmm. But it's sad on the other hand because we're still having the same discussion and, and right. we shouldn't be. No, in 2018. Uh, and then American Girl is making Boku bucks on mm-hmm. making a doll that looks like your daughter. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or your you know, son. And it's huge. Yeah. I will say, it, to me, it seems to be that I, th- I think more people need to make an effort to um, make friends with people who don't look like them. <laughs> I think that's really important because, yeah. I mean, um, you're, it's hard to be aware of what's going on with other people when you have nothing to do with them. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like them, it's other. But you know, when all of a sudden that's their, your, your best friend right. or your cousin, right. it means something different to you. Yeah. Or you're a lot more aware. I've had friends who, you know, white friends who in, ended up having biracial children and their awareness is heightened now sure. and about things that they never would have noticed. Because they don't know how years. to do their hair. <laughs> hair, it's how people are looking at their children yes. or yes. judging them and thinking, yeah. where'd you get these children are they all from the same dad stuff like that that's right would have never noticed before yeah did any of you ever see the movie and it's just called babies um it's an old old movie and i saw it years ago there's no dialogue in it at all none it was one of the best i saw it when i was getting my nails done can you believe it it was plain (laughs) but it caught me because it took four nationalities and followed them in the pregnancy of the mom when the baby was born, showed the baby being born, which was huge for these old eyes. And But then it followed that child. And my point is, and it was United States, Africa, uh, Japan, and I think India. I'm not sure of the four. But it was absolutely beautifully done because, in the point of what we're talking, it showed how a child is given things to care about mm-hmm. and um and how they play and who they interact with and fortunately in what you are saying michelle and as a, and as a teacher for me i see that kids kids do play you know if if they have come from the circumstances where it's just a natural thing mm-hmm. yeah. and where we live or where we go to church or where we shop you know whatever right but it it was huge i would recommend that movie was absolutely babies i've never mm-hmm. i remember actually a preview for that movie in the movie theater and and then I, I never saw it mm-hmm. but it looked really interesting to well me. and the fact that it was no dialogue it was strictly strictly on observation of what the child was given to see and to participate in while they grew up and you right. really under I mean it was just very well, that's fascinating. Sounds, I, I'm interested in stuff like that because mm-hmm. my my uh, major in school was human development which mm-hmm. is psychology sociology anthropology combination and I remember um, it kind of just reminds me of when I was, I went to school at Long Beach State and I was working with these children who were in North Long Beach, which is borderline Compton. Mm. And I learned a lot those couple summers working with those children. And the thing that struck me the most was how different their upbringing was. Exactly. In mine and in these other kids that I was working with in so-and-so beach. Sure. Like is different. Like I would work with kids after camp and some were like, hey, do you want to go to our beach home in Laguna Hills? Right. After, right, and then these other kids, there were no parents, right. some of them, or mm-hmm. there was no lunch unless they came to the park, mm-hmm. you know, 
to have their free lunch. And it was just, it, um, I don't know, it was kind of like the first time I'd actually seen children from more of an adult perspective, because I was in my early 20s. And it just made me think, oh, this is so unfair that right. these kids are just starting off in completely different realities. And most likely will end up with different endings. Well, the reality of, of their parents, yeah. too. Or who, whoever their guardian is, yeah. Right, yeah. That gives us a lot to think about. In this book, The World is Awake, are we awake? Mm. You know, are we really awake so that we can see the subtle nuances that keeps us in the same place? Mm. You know, but this, her little boy was asking the question, did the flowers really come from God? You know, mm -hmm. and we have to ask ourselves, did we come from God? Mm. Did Does it say what age group it, it's gearing towards? I'm Her son was small, so I'm assuming it's he primary. four. Okay. Your son was four, I assume. I haven't read the book. Okay. I assume it's for okay. kids that young. Great. That's good. That was a I good book. I have to look, look it up. But I, th I like the idea of the book just because, uh, you know, despite all the problems that we're talking about that we're addressing here, that glory of God that we can see mm -hmm. in the world every day is kind of where we find common ground, where we start. Right. And that it keeps us less, it keeps you feeling less like an other, you know, like Michelle's mm -hmm. mentioned, feeling like the other before and that uh, we do this two people I'm, some people on purpose some people by accident but if we can all find that common ground there you feel less like that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so all you moms and you grandmas out there as you have kids in the car i want you to play not instead not where's waldo i want you to play where's god where's it's a god? where's god yeah and as you're driving along the kids will tell you oh i think he's up there in the sun or i think i mean it's a great game it's a great game and That's you can cool. do that and i want you to buy dolls of every different yes. color for your kid <laughs> good point okay good That's point cool. I, like I did that. that with my kids mm -hmm. I, I did that with them they, I, I loved it it's good for them That's <laughs> good awesome. wow well you know i think that as we awaken in this world that we're going to have totally different perspectives on what we see i mean there's so much stuff going on in our world that we can't think like we thought 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. We have to think 2018 thoughts mm -hmm. because the world is changing so quickly. And we've got to get to a place where we're able to minister to our children, mm -hmm. you know, these things that's going on now, mm -hmm. you know, versus what was going on before. Mm -hmm. And so as the, like she said, the world is awake. We're awake. What so, are we doing with that? Again, this is coming from the hundred-year-old, where change is hard. Change is, <laughs> change hard. is hard, and and but it's so important that my age and generation keep relationships with other generations and with other things. Uh, example: Church is a huge example. I mean, I my church, where um, been forever and ever, is changing. Um, music is changing, minister change, you know, and from a lot of people have left the church and that's because of change. Well, you're going to go someplace else and you are the one that's going to be responsible for your outlook and what's happening. And it's just so important that we keep God as the focus. That's right. That's that's very true. And producer David, th thank you so much for having us in to the good news today. You know, Michelle Ron and Michelle Betts and our good friend Donna Hetzler Yay, has come Donna. in. And mm -hmm. it's just so good to be here. And I have to say this about you, young man. Mm -hmm. You have grown so much <laughs> since we first met you. You have your spiritual side has grown so much and i'm so proud of you well oh, thank you very much are. i feel better than i did before i feel more Good. i feel more like a like i'm where i'm supposed to be yeah 
Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank Thanks you. for listening to the good news Make with it a Angie great Austin. Day. Thank you, Angie Austin, for being on vacation and let us yeah. have this conversation. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice when she's not here. We get a different conversation, different yeah. point of view. And I mean, it's it'll be nice to have her back next week, though. Absolutely. So. Okay, and uh, we'll we'll be right back. Good news of Jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at 670kltt.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. There is so much fun stuff to do at YMCA of the Rockies this summer, you're never going to want to leave. Come fill your days and nights with our exciting programs and entertaining activities. This year at the YMCA Estes Park Center, there is something for everybody at our brand new Boone Family Mountain Center. The Mountain Center has a two-story climbing wall, a bouldering area, a totally revamped gear shop, and serves as the stepping off point for all of the guided hikes, bike trails, fly fishing tours, and our exciting zip line. YMCA Estes Park is surrounded on three sides by Rocky Mountain National Park, and it's the ideal family vacation located in a stunning environment that helps build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. Go to ymcarockies.org. Fill your summer with fun, exciting, and affordable family adventures at YMCA of the Rockies. Go to ymcarockies.org to book your stay today. Thanks so much for joining us for this encore portion of The Good News with Angie Austin. Angie Austin here along with The Good News gals. We've got Michelle, Beatrice, Cindy, and Monique. And we have a guest. We love to hear testimonies. And one of my girlfriends and one of my former bosses, Tim Moranville and Beth Moranville, uh, they said, you have to talk to Crystal Ruiz. And they made her part of a presentation that uh, my friend Tim did recently because he has a really cool uh, Christian radio station uh, west of San Diego in the Inland Empire in Southern California. It's called The Vine. And so it's a K-Love-style radio station that he's starting down there that's very uh, community-centered. And so Crystal Ruiz is someone that they've gotten to know down there. And she is currently the mayor of San Jacinto. And they said, Angie, you have to talk to Crystal. She actually was homeless at one time, and now she's the mayor. And I'm like, say what? So, Crystal, of course, we had to call you and get your testimony. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. So I'm going through your story, and there's so many points where I feel like you easily could have given up. So I really want to go back before you were mayor and uh, back into, you know, I know you worked in the restaurant business for 20 years and um, you had an accident and at the time you lost your ability to walk. And as many of us do during hard times, we go into our savings. And my understanding is you went through your six months of savings and here you were handicapped and you ended up homeless and living in a tent. So you got to take us all the way back there before you end up, you know, um, with, you know, the mayor of a, of a city in Southern California. Um, you were a hard worker. Um, you worked in the restaurant business. Take us way back then or even into your childhood if you want because we really want to hear your story of faith. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it is it is amazing. Um, God has his own plan for us, I think. And uh, when I was a teenager, when I was in high school, everybody thought I was going to be a politician. That's what I wanted. Um, but as as a female, getting into politics back then and even now, um, you get kicked around a lot. And um, they told me that women shouldn't be in politics. And if I wanted to get in politics, I had to marry someone rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was what, my way in. And I was like, oh, heck no, I'm going to marry for love. And, and that's just wrong. <laughs> it's wrong all the way around. So 
um, I had stepped into the restaurant industry. Like most of us, we kind of fall into what we do, you know, to life because we can earn a living. And I was very good at it. I was actually the number six general manager in the entire country um, before I had my accident. And, and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like God gives you um, signs. He tells you what direction he wants you to go, and you, you have the choice. Take this direction or this direction. And when he's trying to get your attention, I've learned through this accident that if God wants my attention, sometimes he'll put a real hole in the floor, <laughs> you know, literally. And I fall into that hole. And that's what happened. Um, I fell into a, a drain that was covered up by a thin rubber mat, and I didn't know it was there. Oh. And my knee was wrenched um, oh like a football player's would. Oh, boy. And... When it, they went in to do the surgery under workers' comp, God knows, you know, I, I, I'm thankful for that program. However, um, you're just a number. And they went in and cut a band out around my knee that they shouldn't have cut out. Mm. So when they did that, it was the wheelchair, and that was it. This is going to be your life. And wow. like you said, I went through my savings in six months because that's what they always tell you, six months. Six months, I'll tell you, is no longer. You have hmm. to save a lot more than six months if you're mm-hmm. going to survive in, in a tragedy. Um, and I remember walking, waking up the first night of homelessness. You know, it, it's not like, oh, I'm staying on a friend's couch. You know, it's the first night of I have to find some place to sleep that's going to be safe. And waking up that next morning going, oh, God, what am I doing? And it went on um, for five months. It was, well, for five years I was homeless total. Um, it was taking a tent and moving and sleeping in a car. And, um, you know, there's different levels of homelessness, and that's why as a politician I know these homeless better than most folks. Um, there's the homeless that want to be there. There's the homeless that are, are um, drug addicted or some type of addiction and some that are, are mentally in need. And then there are those that do what I did, and that is that they hide it. And they go out and you have a job or you go to school. Or in my case, I went to physical therapy. Um, and everything was in the car. I had enough money for gas. Um, and that was pretty much about it. You know, you get a check every now and then. What was that? So you were able to live in your car but hide it from a lot of people that you were homeless. So you lived in a car, yeah, lived in a did. tent. And were you in a wheelchair at that time? Were you still oh, yeah. handicapped? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. In fact, um, you're going to love this because on 9-11, I was still in the tent. And I was watching the whole scene, everything, on a little six-inch TV with a a wire coat hanger for an antenna and watching everything and trying to figure out what happened. Um, And when the president, uh, George W. Bush, made the speech to Congress, I had been told that morning that I'd never walk again. I'd never get out of that wheelchair again. And I sat at the side of the road watching this, and all of a sudden I went, you know, if he can get Democrats and Republicans to stop acting like Democrats and Republicans and start acting like Americans, then there is a miracle. And I believe that I don't care what the doctors say, there's going to be a miracle. Um, And so I happened when I was a kid because I wanted to be in politics. I used to write presidents from the age of eight on up. And i tell them what I thought. And you get this little card, and um, everybody always gets excited when you get the card from the White House. But me, I'd seen it a million times. And President George W. Bush had sent me a letter prior to 
um, the accident and sent a phone number. And I thought, well, I'm going to get the you know secretary on the bottom floor, but I'm trying to be all Joe Cool. I still had my phone, you know. <laughs> I still had my phone. As a homeless person, you know, that was my only contact um, with people. And I got on that phone and I called and I left him a message. Hmm. And I got the secretary right outside his door. So I remember standing there that night, well, sitting <laughs> next to, <laughs> next to the fire, and trying to stay warm and thinking to myself. God, please don't let this be for nothing. Please, someday let me thank him face-to-face. Like, that is going to happen in a million years. You know, it never does. Um, and years later, and I'll tell you the rest of this after I tell you what happened. So I, I was homeless in a tent, and I tell you, it really kind of hits you. I had the, the neighbor, because they, they have tent cities, you know. So I had the neighbor who kept getting cleaned up because he thought he was going to be my boyfriend. <laughs> and um, I, I'm sitting in the wheelchair inside the, the little tent um, area, and, and I look out, and there he is relieving himself out in front of the door. Oh, Lord. And at that, that point, that's exactly what I did. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and, and I could have succumbed right then and said, okay, this is it. This is the life I'm meant to lead. Or I did what I did. And, and I said, God, please, you, you handle this. I can't deal with this. I can't, I can't do this by myself, and I can't deal with this. And I um, prayed every day, and I actually wrote in a journal. And instead of writing in a journal like most folks did, I wrote a letter to God each day. And I, I thanked him for what was good, and I prayed for healing. And I, I remember sitting there. Um, just hurting so bad that I would rock back and forth because it hurt so bad. It was not like it wasn't, you know, it's like, oh, you're handicapped and that's it. No, there's a lot of pain that was with that. And I would sleep at night um, with a knife next to the, the makeshift pillow with my, you know, stuff um, so that I wouldn't be susceptible to being attacked because, one, you're a woman. Two, you're in a wheelchair. You know, you're in a very dangerous position. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't something where I ever felt safe. Or oh, I can imagine not. But I also, also when you talk to friends that you had and they find out that you're homeless, the whole their image of you changes, and mm. some of most people can't face that. They right. they really the looks that I would get, I would know instantly when I said something to someone, and they would give me that look, and it was like, mm. okay, you know, this is. And they would never call again. You know, some of them I haven't heard from in, in many, many years because they couldn't face what I was going through. And I don't know if it was just shock or what, um, but it was really heartbreaking. And it, it, I started going, okay, how am I going to get out of this mess? And so I started um, trying to put good stuff in because, you know, when you're in a bad spot, it's really easy for Satan to get in there and just really attack mm-hmm. us. And he's so subtle, we just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And so um, Satan, you know, my, my fear was, was that he was going to get a hold of me and not let go, and that was, that was the last thing I wanted. So I, I went to the library, and I had a library card, and I would check out a book, and I would start reading it. The books that I read were all inspirational books or books that were... Um, how do you get the life of your dreams? How do you do this? And I would literally, anytime I could afford to buy a book or get a used book, that's what I would grab. 
and I would have them. If you saw my bookshelf, you'd laugh because I had little tabs. Like, I didn't have sticky pads. I could not afford a sticky pad, right? So I took a magazine or a piece of paper that I could find on the ground, and I would rip it into little sections and tap the book. So I would have like a million tabs in these 400-page books, you know? But it was all important stuff that I wanted to make sure I kept in my head. Wow. And I kept putting more and more good stuff in. Well, it's interesting if you that, want the good stuff to come out, right. you have to do that. Yeah, and that's what that we're taught oftentimes as Christians, that you know what you put into your brain, it's so important uh, that you put positive things in and you focus on positive things and that you um, watch and listen to um, music and television shows and you surround yourself with people uh, that um, are biblical, people that are positive, people that are using language that you want like your children to be around. I was just exactly. having this conversation with my son yesterday. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Crystal Ruiz, who worked for, um, hard for years in the restaurant business. She was a very successful general manager of a restaurant, and she uh, stepped on a drain. She ended up hurting her, injuring her leg, and she was uh, handicapped in a wheelchair and homeless in a tent. And she talked about uh, calling President Bush because she had his phone number because she'd written letters to presidents every year and that she wanted to tell him through his secretary that he had inspired her. And so here you are in a tent with this tiny little TV watching 9-11 and figuring all that out. And then you're going to the library and you're reading positive self-help books, trying to put positive things into your brain because you want to turn your life around. And then what? Because you ultimately well, become a mayor. I do. But what's fascinating is during the process, I had to go to physical therapy. And one of the people who worked at the physical therapy places was, happened to be my future husband. Mm. And so here I am, the day I was told I would never walk again, they knew I always came in with a bubbly personality. They could never figure out how. And it's because I put my faith in God to get me out of this and to make it worth something. So I go and I come in and I'm, I'm really distraught. So they put me in a private room and he walked in with another uh, physical therapist and, and, you know, I told him what he said. And he, he said to me, after the other physical therapist left, he said to me, he goes, you know, they don't know you. You're just a number to them. You know yourself, and you know that you how you're going to react so you can get out of this. So I took that to heart, and afterwards I would um, I, I moved to Las Vegas for a short time with my parents and stayed with them. They had they had been staying with me originally, and so finally they were able to afford a little little uh, trailer in Las Vegas, and we I went out there to stay with him, and I started emailing back and forth to my current husband, and. He, he said the, it, it, Vegas was too far from the beach. He didn't want to come out there. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I came back here after finally Southern you know, California. being able to, yeah, back out to California, after finally being able to, okay, I can, I'm free from, from workers' comp. I'm slowly learning to walk again. That's five years later. And I come out here, and I get this little job as a secretary somewhere, and I all of a sudden he emailed me, and I emailed him and then we texted and within six months we were married wow <laughs> and now, so you're learning yeah, to walk no. again you're exactly. learning to walk again you end up marrying someone that you met at the physical therapy that you would go to and then mm-hmm. you end up a mother of four and the mayor of san jacinto in southern california mm-hmm. so how does that happen so um you know my husband's so cute because he says i teach him so much but i think we teach each other you know mm-hmm. um he, he makes me a better person and I make him the same. When we were, I mean, we're low income. 
I'll be honest with you, we're just like most of the people across the country, working class, poor. And um, we moved, we found a house out here in San Jacinto, and um, God blessed us with this house. This, you know, we've been looking for a year and a half, couldn't find anything. Every single offer we made, we were the backup offer always. And finally, we walked into this one house, and sure enough, we get this house. Now, mind you that I can't pick things up. I can't walk backwards. It, it has to be under a certain weight. So the neighbor saw us moving in and my husband trying to lift all this stuff, and he starts helping. So, you know, he's a nice man. A few days later, he comes up and, and he's talking to my husband, and I'm sitting inside. I had four babies at this point. I had a um, one that was uh, just a few months old and then about six months, and then I had a um, one-year and a two-year and a three-year. So they were all very little, one year apart. So, so he comes over, and my husband comes running in the house, and he goes, oh, my gosh. He goes, Scott stopped by, and I said, he stopped by? And he goes, yeah. He said he had to go to a meeting. And, and I said, well, where are you going to the meeting? And he said, well, I'm the mayor. And he said, well, I asked him, are you the mayor of the block? <laughs> he, said, he says, no, I'm the mayor of the city. A few minutes later, my husband goes to the office. He comes running back out, and he goes, oh, my God, he's the mayor of the city. And I'm thinking to myself, what mayor helps a neighbor move in? Where do they do that anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. So I invited him over for a, a, a barbecue, and I said, hey, you come on over. And within a few moments, he said, you should run for city council. Well, the city council out in San Jacinto in 2010 was all indicted except one. They had wow. one council member who was there, and he was, he was not a good guy. And the minute he said it, I knew that, that hole in the floor, I knew what God wanted me to do. And my husband saw a spark in my eye he hadn't seen mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was back sudden, in 2010? That was 2010. We only have like a, a little bit over a minute left. So you, you get on the, the city well, council, and then... So I get on the council. So a few months later, George W. Bush is going to speak at one of our events. Oh, wow. So I sent a letter to the, the library where I knew that he could get it, thanks to my husband. I get back a response, and they went, guess what? The president wants to meet you. <laughs> and I stood before the president wow. this few months after being uh, a council member. And I'm standing there thinking, God answers the craziest prayers. Well, and then I'm thinking, God, please don't let me upset that to the president. <laughs> but wow. he, is, he is amazing. And if we let him work in our lives and we follow what he does and we put positive things in, um, we're going to get the most amazing returns on, on, on our investment. Um, it seems that he doesn't care what we go through. Um, he can get us out. He can, make, he can take a mess and make it into a miracle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the crux of my whole story is that and he can do it to anybody. If he can do it for me, he can do it to anybody. How many well, people are homeless and go to a mayor? I know, and get to meet the president. You know? Crystal and Ruiz, mayor of San Jacinto, Southern California, a friend of my friends. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony. I'm so sorry we're out of time. It was a real pleasure to have you on the show, Crystal. You have a blessed day, and thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank wow. you, Crystal. Thank you for your story. That was huh? awesome. We'll be right back with the good news. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, would you like to donate items? You know, maybe some old sporting equipment, old furniture, old clothing. You'd like the tax write-off. You'd like to help others, but it's kind of a hassle to gather it all up and drop it off, and you're just too busy. Well, guess what? Art Thrift Stores, they will come right to you, to your house, pick up your items, and leave you your tax write-off donation form. How do you do that? Call 303 303- 
238-JANE, 238-5263. And again, all of these items that you donate, they help people right in our own community. They help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what better thing to do with your items that you no longer need than to help others? I shop at ARC all the time. I get my kids sporting equipment, gotten a rocking chair. I've gotten boots there. I have a purse that's amazing that still had the tags on it. It's a coach bag, and I got it at ARC. I shop there, and I help others, and I donate my items about once every month or two. And I call 303-238-JANE, and they come right to my house with a truck, and they pick everything up. Here, check it out. Again, 303-238-JANE. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to the good news. If you like the good news program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air, and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com, AngieAustinRadio.com. Just click on Contact Me. I would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to help you build your business. Thanks for tuning in to this encore presentation of the good news with Angie Austin. Hey, Angie Austin here. Well, I've got some good news for you. National Small Business Week recognizes the nation's top small businesses and entrepreneurs. Well, more than half of Americans either own or work for a small business. We have a tech expert back with us, Mark Saltzman, and he's sharing some of his top tech tools to help small businesses grow. I'm a small business, Mark. Thanks for joining us. And so am I. Thanks, Angie. And you're right. Small Business Week is coming up. And so I've partnered with a few of my favorite tech brands as these products can help small businesses get more done in less time. Who wouldn't like that, right? So Absolutely. I've got some great ones to share with you. Mm-hmm. All right, let's start with um, laptops because I think that seems to be a big question we have to do a lot of research on when we're trying to get just the right one. Absolutely. Let's start off with the LG Gram. It's a sleek business laptop that pushes the boundaries of portable computing thanks to its gorgeous screen and compact and durable design. Plus, the 13-inch model weighs in at just over two pounds, so it's incredibly light. And my favorite feature, though, is the remarkable battery. The LG Gram lasts up to 22 and a half hours between charges, so you don't have to worry about finding a power outlet on the go. It's available in multiple sizes, including commercial models powered by Windows 10 Pro, which has some extra bells and whistles. The LG Gram starts at $1299. All right, how about printers? Any suggestions on those? Yes, uh, also an important tool for any small business. It's uh, one that I've got here with me is ideal for both small businesses uh, and, and those who work in the home, like I do. It's the Compact Brother, Brother Black and White Laser All-in-One Printer from Brother. It's a must-have for entrepreneurs who'd rather spend their energy on running their business than managing documents. It's got wireless networking, cloud support, and a 2.7-inch color touchscreen. It's an all-in-one printer that does it all. It's got fast quality prints at 36 pages per minute and offers single-pass duplex copying, which is important to many, and scanning and faxing capabilities as well. The Brother Black and White Laser all-in-one printer costs just $249, actually, so very affordable. 
And that scanning comes in so handy. All right, businesses staying connected is obviously, it means dollar signs for small businesses like ourselves. So how do we stay connected? For sure. Well, when it comes to your phone service, small business owners are realizing today there are many better options out there than traditional telcos. UMA Office has the same features as the big guys, for example, but it's more affordable, it's scalable, great sounding, and easy to use. You can generate more sales and create a better customer experience overall with this cloud-based VoIP system. With UMA, that's O-O-M-A, by the way, you could take advantage of a virtual receptionist. You can set up conference bridges and everything else you would want for your business. There's no service contracts, which I love myself, and it works with either analog or IP phones that you may have. UMA Mm. Office is under $20 a month per user. So that's on the voice communication side. When it comes to data for Wi-Fi, you know probably how much you rest today on the speed and range and reliability of your broadband network at business, uh, in your business. And I've got here with me the Linksys VELOP, V-E-L-O-P. It's a smart mesh Wi-Fi system that works with any internet service provider, modem, or gateway. It can be set up in various configurations to support any type of office, floor plan or Wi-Fi footprint, you can choose which VELOP solution to go with. Uh, It's got a one or two or three pack option. You choose that out of the box. And each node, this little tiny little tower that you get in the box, each one provides up to 2,000 square feet of coverage. You can use the Linksys app to set up each node and easily manage the network. VELOP from Linksys starts at $199. All right, Mark, where do we go for more info? The best website, killerapps.com. We'll have more info on each of those four products, the laptop, the printer, the phone system, and the mesh Wi-Fi system. And Mark, I know that you've written 16 books and that you're you know, an expert, a tech expert on a lot of programs like Fox and CNN, et cetera. So what would you say as a small business owner yourself, one of the best tips that you give people when they say, well, how do I do all this? Or give me a great tip. You want a device that can easily help you multitask. So uh, talking about getting more done in less time, I rely on my laptop to have multiple windows open. It it allows me portability. I'm not restricted to being in an office. Today's businesses are on the go. So you want mobility. You want a device that you can do uh, more with in less time. On my Android phone, for example, I have a split-screen option which uh, you can't do on iPhone, actually. So I have like one half of my screen, I'm looking uh, through websites and doing my research. And then on the other half of the screen, I'm jotting down notes. And this is something that I love to do on an Android device. Uh, Again, um, so trying to find something that lets you do more, because if in a a linear fashion, you're going to waste time. And if you're limited to being at a desktop computer or a, uh, you know, in one place, it's it's going to hurt your business. You want to be mobile, you want to be nimble. So those are a couple of uh, off the, off the, the tips that I have off the top of my head. <laughs> Love that. Mark Saltzman. He's nimble and quick. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Angie. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.